Welcome. This is One Hour Sunshine with Megan Joy Haverda. That's me. And we're here today with uh, Dr. Hisu Witten, who I'll be introducing in one second. But I want to say we're filming at the Sandbox in Santa Barbara, California, which is a co-working hub for creative entrepreneurs and change makers. So I'm very grateful that we were able to do the show here and be part of this community so this show is actually about coming out of the proverbial closet when it comes to intuition and using one's intuition in business. So on this show, I'll be interviewing business leaders and business founders that are actually willing to admit that they use their intuition in business and tell some stories, tell some real stories and the results of using their intuition how they navigate their lives through using intuition, how they make serious business decisions by using their intuition. And the premise of the show is to really normalize intuition in our life, in business, on Main Street, um, and bring it out of kind of the mystic, magical, otherworldly, unicorn, scary place and really normalize it and make it a, a wonderful asset for business and communities and organizations to really see it as an asset. So um, our guest today is Dr. Hisu Witten. He's a dear friend of mine, so I'll just say that up front. Um, but he's a very unique doctor, and he's created a form of clinical kinesiology that really works with the body wisdom, and he can teach it in a period of two weekends. So it is a simplified version, and yet it helps people navigate their lives, touch in and understand their emotional triggers and what's happening in their body, and even self-diagnose things that are happening um, in their body so they can catch them early and really deal with them and and find you know the right treatments for themselves. So it's a real honor to have him here today. Welcome, Hisu. Thank you, and congratulations on your brand new show. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. Um, so before we start to chat, I'm going to share one intuition of the day. I'll do that on every show. And, you know, for this one, for this show, I sat down and I closed my eyes and I said, what, what's important for the first show? What's the basic? What's the baseline? And the information that I got came through me. I often hear words. I see images. I get gut feels. I also have prophetic dreams. Um, but what I wanted to share with the audience today is that everybody's a conductor, Everybody's a conductor of energy and a conductor of their day and a conductor of their life. And with that information, they're completely in control of how they respond to what is going on around them. And everybody deals with information differently. So as I said, you know, I hear things, I see things, I have prophetic dreams, I get that ooh gut feel. And everybody has it in a different way. Everybody, Everybody's body is in tune and attuned in a different way, and that makes us unique. But it also gives us a lot of creative license to use our intuition in our own way. So I wanted to share with the audience um, that it's 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 a it's a unique customized way of living and the more in touch you get with how you intuit information the more you can refine those ways of intuiting information so um i'd also like to bring up i think in in society people get afraid well do you know more than me do you do you think you know more than me do you 
how do you know it's not your ego? And those are all really good questions. Um, the way that I tell if it's an egoic feeling or intuition or a intuitive uh, concept or idea, you know, the ego runs on fear and on control. So if I have that agitated feeling in my body or kind of a fuzzy, grabbing, fearful tone in my voice or my eyes constrict, I can tell the ego's at play. If I'm very calm and centered and I just feel full of love and inspiration and it's very clear and it just came straight through me unedited, I know it's intuition. So, you know, over over the course of this show, we'll really learn how to check ourselves and and really come from a place of intuition and not ego. So, now we want to hear your story. Um, one thing that I find really funny is that we are both from the East Coast and we made our way out here. So, I, first I want to hear, why did you even choose to become a doctor? What was your impulse to actually get a degree and go for a traditional career? Well, as you're speaking, so many thoughts are coming to my head. Really, it comes down to how we live our lives. Mm -hmm. And there's just so many distinctions that pop up that are so vital to how I live my life. And now it's just so much a part of me that I don't even think about it. So some of the things you're bringing up, it's like, how do I do that? It's just become such a part of my fiber. Um, but um, why well, I became a doctor? Well, I first got a degree in psychology and people would ask me, well, so you're going to go get a master's degree, you're going to be a psychologist. And I thought, well, you know, I was an athlete, a, a gymnast and a swimmer. And um, my stepdad was a chiropractor. And so I liked body work. My mom was a massage therapist. So it's so like, well, the mind's important. I, I want to um, do something that incorporates working with people's minds and thought processes and belief systems. But I also want to work with the body as well. So um, I got a massage license and went off and started started massaging people. Um, but I wanted to go deeper than that enabled me to do. And so um, I was looking for you know something where I could just learn a lot more and go deeper with people. So um, that led me to chiropractic school. Cool. And then at what point in your <laughs> medical education did you think, Oh dear, I have a very different angle on medicine and healing that I'm being taught. I think I'm going to have to veer this way. How did you how'd you come to that? Well, there's a whole art and science <laughs> called muscle testing, which I became acquainted with through, like I say, my mother's uh, second husband uh, when I was about 12. So I forgot about all that stuff for about 10 years. And then when I did massage, I remembered it again and went and got a book on that. So... Um, Somebody, uh, my mentor shared with me a concept which I thought was very profound that every other healing system is a doctor-driven system. So if you have a neck pain, you go to a, a medical doctor, they'll, they'll give you drugs, they'll give you, you know, surgery, muscle relaxants. Um, if you go to an acupuncturist with that same problem, you'll get needles stuck in you. If you go to a chiropractor, you'll get popped. If, if you go to a psychologist, they'll say, well, who, who's a pain in your neck? You know, there's, there's a psychosomatic uh, connection there. So what I realized, the treatment that each patient was getting had almost nothing to do with what that patient needed and everything to do with 
the doctor's trainings, their philosophy, their opinions. So the concept, this was the big aha moment was, wouldn't it be great if I could bring all my knowledge, all my experience, and set that aside and just listen to the patient's body and deliver whatever it was the, the body was requesting. So then it just became a, a matter of how could I listen deeply to what the body was trying to communicate that it needed at the nutritional level, at the structural level, and at the energetic level. So Beautiful. That's kind of my path in a nutshell. <laughs> and then over time, working with bodies and, and being a chiropractor that had all this knowledge and different modalities and understanding that each human being needs its own kind of tune-up, how did you begin to develop the Witten Method? And do you want to share with the audience what the Witten Method is? Well, uh, <clears throat> naturally, I, I took seminars, uh, you know, I wanted to see what the, what the best techniques were that were out there. And I studied with a few people, but primarily Dr. Fox from St. Louis, who is teaching clinical kinesiology. And I became one of maybe 10 or less masters of that. It took me about three or four years to get really proficient in, in it. In fact, speaking of intuition, I got the intuition to drop out of school for six <laughs> months just to go uh, learn that work. Wow. Um, and so I took a little break and, and just totally dedicated myself to that. But after four years, I realized there's only 10 of us in the world that are really good at this technique, and it's, it's a profound technique. Um, but there was some holes in the technique. It, it had some serious limitations, I discovered. And so what I realized, it was too complicated. And if we're gonna, um, if I was gonna transfer my, my knowledge to other people so that you know, I could duplicate myself, um, we needed to simplify it, and I, I realized what do we, what do really, what do I need to know as a doctor? I can only do one thing at a time, so I just kind of broke it down to the principle. The body's really trying to invite me to, to do something somewhere. So all I really need to know is where is the body inviting me to go, and what does it want me to do there? So then I deliver whatever therapy the body's requesting. And then ask, okay, where do you want me to go next? And what do you want me to do there? Yeah, one priority at a time. One priority in the moment. I can only do one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so now that's teachable. I have a menu of all the structural, nutritional, and energetic things that I can do. And I'm like a waiter, just what can I get you? Yeah. You know. So it's quite simple and it's teachable. So, yeah. well, I've been your patient, you know, for f several years now. And you almost go into a, a different state. I mean, you're there and, and we talk, but you're very, very, I guess the word I would use is open. It's like all your channels are open and you're just receiving the information. So mm -hmm. do you want to share with the audience some of the testing that you do on your hand so that you can kind of double check what you're getting intuitively? Um, with your own body knowledge. So literally there's a patient on the table <laughs> and you're checking if what their information that you're receiving is accurate by checking your, your own kinesiology yes-no response. Do you want to share a little bit about that process for you as a practitioner? And I can certainly say as a patient, it's, it's very, very accurate. <laughs> so sure, good I'm, job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry if these answers are too long. The, no, 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 it's It's great. a complex subject and it's hard to soundbite it, you know. Oh, yeah. No, but, take your um, time. You know, I'm doing my best to be concise. But, <laughs> um, so essentially, the brain has all the data about the person. 
but we can't access that information directly. I can't go into the person's head and extract all the information you know, about them. So the brain also controls the muscles. So it sends an electrical signal down the nerve to the muscle. So what was discovered by applied kinesiology founder George Goodhart in the 60s was that when you make a true statement, the electricity flows to the muscle and the muscle will hold strong. So I'm, I'm actually the practitioner and the patient here. So <laughs> <laughs> this hand's the practitioner, this hand's the patient. So I'm pushing on the patient's arm yeah. to see if the electricity's flowing and the muscle is strong. So I can make a statement like, your C1 vertebrae is in place. And if they hold strong, that means that's a true statement. Yeah. If it goes weak, we know it's out of place and we can go find out you know, how it wants to be adjusted. Uh, by the same token, we can ask, uh, your body likes bread or wheat. And if it goes weak, we know there's a sensitivity to that food. Yeah. So all the information, whether it's structural information, chemical information, or emotional information, it's all electrical. It's all information. Yeah. So we can make a, a statement and see if it's true or false. So that way we can access the brain's you know innate intelligence and see if it agrees with various statements. So, um, uh, so when I'm in somebody's presence, you, you can do that either directly or I can do it remotely. Just like a telephone, you can either have a, a phone with a cord on it or, or cordless. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I love trying to explain that. I have this wonderful neighbor who just eats Twinkies and Diet Coke, and she's like, what do you mean you can scent somebody 3,000 miles away? That's impossible. And I'm like, well, it's just like picking up the phone. It's like airwaves. It's not impossible. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole different paradigm. It's a whole different paradigm and way of living. You know, it, one of the examples is uh, oftentimes parents will know when their child's in trouble That's or hurt. Right. And so... It's a good one. What does that mean? What does that indicate about our yeah. interconnectedness? Yeah. So if you ponder that a while, then you go, oh, okay, we're interconnected so we can access that information yeah if our channels are open so yeah. one of the things that i was bothered by was that i didn't have incredible powers i couldn't look at somebody and see colors and go oh you've got a disease there or or i didn't hear voices telling me give them that herb <laughs> or something like that but later i came to appreciate i don't have any special gifts these are things that i've developed because if i had special gifts it wouldn't be teachable and one of the things I think I'm here to do is to uh, show people that they can do it themselves. They yeah. can, they they can tune into their own intuition. That's one of the problems with with man is we're, we've kind of disconnected from our intuition. You know, birds don't need a calendar to know when it's time to fly south. <laughs> right. You know, um, we've gotten too much in our head. Yeah. And um, I think healing life really is a balance of your intellectual knowledge and your intuitive wisdom. So it's a balance of head and heart. It's kind of a yin-yang thing. Well, and your point about animals is a really good one, especially when you think about health and what is good for me and is it is it good for me to eat that berry or whatever. You know, I lived in northern New Mexico alone for a year and I developed 360-degree awareness. I could literally feel like an animal behind me mm. when I was in the forest. It was very interesting, and it happened naturally. I didn't mean for it to happen. And then you come back to society. You know, when I was out in the woods, I could pick up rodents and fling them out of the kitchen door. And, you know, I was just very 
um, in tune with what was happening all around me and one with everything. Whereas now I see a mouse in my kitchen and I'm like, like screaming like a little girl (laughs) because situationally I'm in a pampered city setting where you don't want a mouse in your kitchen because you're busy and you're looking at your watch and you, you know, there's this freneticness that we create as if the busyness is more important than the connectedness. Mm. So something you and I talk about often is developing, nurturing, giving support to autonomous human beings, actually raising autonomous human beings. We both have sons, so we've done our best to keep them intuitive, keep them open, keep them connected to their emotional centers, even as strong warrior men that they are. Um, But the idea of autonomy in a culture that has become so specialized, what what is your big vision for that? Because I I know you're brewing something. (laughs) (laughs) Too much to say, but... um, Little, little bite. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the younger the people that take my workshop, the younger people, teenagers I've had in my workshop, and I've actually... Uh, When I've given talks, I've had seven or eight-year-olds come up, and I'll muscle test them. Mm -hmm. And they get it completely. It's it's second nature to them. They're bored by, you know, halfway through the workshop. They're like, well, what's next? (laughs) Yeah. So they're closer to that time when they were intuitive, like children are intuitive like that. So, yeah, that's something we do lose, I think, in our society. So Yeah. so the technique I do on myself, see, you can, this muscle testing, I just test the arm because it's a convenient lever to push yeah. on. Yeah. Right. So you can channel the information through any muscle. So one of the tests is using the, what they call an O-ring. Yeah. So this hand tries to hold the fingers together and this hand tries to pry them apart. So if it holds strong, that's a yes. Yeah. So if you make a statement, I've the answer is yes. I've been in that method. Yeah. So it'll go weak. So you can practice on things you know, like I live in Santa Barbara. Yeah. You know. This is our president. It's yeah. eight o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you can, you know, do things that aren't true. I live in China. Yeah. Um, so you can you can use that kind of as your training wheels to practice getting that feel. So it's strong, it's weak. So when it goes weak, what happens? The muscles don't just atrophy. It's that the electricity turns off. So the, the muscle is like the light bulb. Right. And the nerve is like the electrical wire to the light bulb. So when you flick the, flip the switch, the electricity goes off. It doesn't matter how strong or how big that light bulb is. Yeah. The electricity goes off, the light bulb goes off. So even if I'm working on a big, strong guy, his arm will just go weak because the electricity's off. And his body's saying, no way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, it it even goes back to the Bible. They're trying to, you know, we're always trying to decide, should I say yes to this or no to this? This is the big question. Which which door should I walk through? And so this is is a bridge. It's a technique because we don't always have a connection with our intuition. So until we can get that internal sense, this is a technique. It's kind of like a bridge to... Awesome. To get us back. So one question we're going to talk about when we say um, hello and goodbye to our product friend, um, Scott Walker of Juice Ranch. When you come back, we're going to talk about your five-year vision for healthcare in America. And it can be tiny little bullet points or, you know, whatever comes to you. But that's going to be your next question. Oh, my God. So (laughs) let's... um, 
Let's grab our Juice Ranch friend and bring him in for a minute, and then okay. we'll bring you back on. Okay, sounds okay. good. Awesome. We're back, and it turns out that Scott Walker of Juice Ranch had to run, which business owners do. He got a phone call and had to take it. So here we are with his amazing fresh juice. Um, I first met Scott Walker back in 2013, and he was at a venue for um, a conscious entrepreneur that was launching a book and he was taste testing his juice for the crowd and he was so bright-eyed and incredibly um, alive in his body and absolutely in love with his juice and the woman he would be with still today and have children with was by his side back then Aaron um, they're amazing couple and they tried all these different combinations and saw how it felt in the body and what did what was the alkalinity and balancing the acid and you know, relating fresh juice and why we drink it and why it's important. It goes all the way back to what you and I were talking about in terms of electricity. You know, it's vitamins and minerals that actually run the current and help our body function better, give us that vitality, give us that sparkly eye. If you're only eating processed foods, you can feel very dull and heavy and lethargic and you don't have that nice shiny skin and you don't have those sparkly eyes. So, um, they're now on their third franchise of Juice Ranch, and they've created many different blends using fruits and vegetables. But as a doctor, I would love to hear your take on the tonics and on fresh juice in general and how you see it impacting your clients. Well, it's delicious. This is actually the first time I tried it, and I did get to me- get to meet Scott. And- I'm sorry, i got to stop you one yep. second. <clears throat> okay, go ahead. Sure. So I get, did get to meet Scott. He definitely does look very alive. And uh, what was interesting about electricity, I hadn't thought about it until you said it, was um, electricity actually doesn't get conducted in water. Like if you had a distilled bathtub of distilled water and dropped a toaster in it, you wouldn't get electrocuted. It would only electrocute you if there was minerals in the tub. Interesting. Yeah. So the minerals are, are actually what conducts the electricity in the body. <laughs> kind of a little well, morbid. Well, cheers but to that. Cheers to you. living in a healthy body that's full of conductivity. <laughs> yes. Talking about being the conductor, which is how we started the conversation. <laughs> mm, cheers, good. Juice Ranch. <laughs> Thank you. So we tried this awesome juice, which is Mermaid, which is one of my all-time favorites at Juice Ranch. Um, very green, very delicious, mostly all vegetable. Now let's try one of the fruitier ones. I'm more of a green juice girl, but they have incredibly fresh fruits and they really do source and buy as much as they can locally in terms of their produce. Um, Let's see what we think of this one. Wow. That's got a little kick. That's got a kick. I would think lemon, cayenne. cayenne, Maybe a little cayenne. A little ginger. Mm Mm-hmm. Some citrus. Mm. Beautiful. I think I'm alkalinizing. (laughs) (laughs) As we speak. As we speak. Well, thank Mm. you. So I really encourage everybody to find their own balance between fruits and vegetables, but also, you know, the great thing about these juices and the care and attention that Aaron and 
Scott have put into their combinations is that kids drink them. The kids like them. Maybe this one would be a little too spicy for a kid, but you could easily mix it with apple juice and then they'll drink it. So then they're getting their vegetables and fruits, not having to chew them and, you know, exhaust themselves with a big pile of food. (laughs) Cheers. For those of you watching that want to go and buy your own juice or maybe do a cleanse and get on one of their programs, you can look them up at juiceranch.com. You can also visit one of their four stores. They actually have four locations, Westlake, Carpinteria, Santa Barbara, and Montecito. Um, They have lovely staff and beautiful, beautiful um, shops, so please go and visit them. The Senate did a study that showed 97% of the people are deficient in minerals. So through mass agriculture, we've actually depleted the soil. So all these beautiful fruits and vegetables are pretty empty as far as nutrients these days, unless it's certified organic. So these juices are actually a great way to get a lot of nutrients that our body's missing from our typical diets. Absolutely. And so, you know, something that people talk about is, oh my gosh, why is this juice $10? Why is this juice $12? And I say, well, how much do you pay in health insurance? And what (laughs) does your doctor visit cost? And what are your meds cost? (laughs) Because that makes it a very simple conversation. If you're healthy, you actually save a tremendous amount of money. (laughs) As you know. Yeah. So you can um, make garbage very cheaply. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Um, well, I'm so grateful for companies like this. And one of the reasons I'm going to show a locally made product every show is to really support our local businesses. Um, here in Santa Barbara, we experienced tremendous fires and floods, and it went on for two months, and we're still seeing the repercussions of that disaster. Unfortunately, several small businesses closed. So when that happened, I thought, oh my gosh, anything we can do to highlight locally made products and keep our small businesses cranking, um, it'll add to the fabric of our community and the diversity of our community and to the local economy. So I'm very, very proud of Juice Ranch and others that we'll be showing on the show. That's great. Um, So... We were talking earlier about your five-year vision for humanity for healthcare. What what does that look like? What do you what what it would be your wish for people? Such a huge question. Once again, um, like I say, I I think we really have to start with the children because we've got to start training these children to stay connected with their intuition. So I would like to teach muscle testing in schools. And have that grow, have that be a nationwide, eventually worldwide uh, practice. You know, physical education, uh, they call it physical education, but it's really just kickball time. You know, they play basketball. That's, yeah. yeah. So they're not learning about their physical body. It's not really education at all. Yeah. Um, it's, It's kind of recess time. Right. So I think if we actually took that segment of each school child's day, um, to learn how to muscle test, how to reconnect with their intuition, how to touch other people in a healing way. Um, and they're fascinated by it. Muscle testing uh, occurs as magic to them. You know, someone's arm just going weak because they made a statement or a thought yeah. like that. They're fascinated by it 
you know, they're not jaded. They're like, how does that work? Are there scientific studies about that? <laughs> you know, most adults, you, you get that in the mainstream. Um, so starting with children is, is a big part of uh, my vision. Um, and eventually, I think, you know, we've got 100 million. Time Magazine says we have 100 million Americans in chronic pain. Wow. Um, they're on opioids. So many opioids. We're, we're consuming 70% of the world's opioids and painkillers in this country. And it's an epidemic. We don't know what to do with, you know, we don't know what to do about it. It's, it's, it's national news. So I'd like to create retreat centers, uh, possibly, where people can get intelligent health care and re-educated on how to take care of themselves nutritionally, how to, uh, you know, prepare meals. What's the difference between real food and just, you know, edible entertainment? Yeah. Um, how to move properly and do exercise that rehabilitates their joints. Yeah. How to how to deal with stress and process their emotions. And how to even stay in the body in a stressful situation or a fearful yeah. situation. That's I huge. Mean, you know, I remember being in my mid twenties and <clears throat> I was living way out in nature. And I remember thinking, you know, I've had three near death experiences. What are those about? Why, you know, why do I leap out of my body sometimes? And why do I feel like it's uncomfortable to be here on earth? You know, I remember having this conversation with myself. And the information that I got back was, well, you know, you really have to choose to live here. You really have to incarnate into the body if you want to be a productive, constructive community member and person on the planet. Because if you keep getting afraid or you don't feel comfortable in your body, you won't be as engaged and productive and helpful and in service to others. So I spent the next decade <laughs> incarnating <laughs> fully into my body, which meant a lot of different things. And still today, I laugh at that saying, oh, she was beside herself, or oh, he got so upset he was beside himself. Well, that's actually a real thing. Hmm. If you get so freaked out, you can disassociate and kind of live outside of your body and not take responsibility for what's happening and just kind of glaze over, <laughs> you know, and that's when willful blindness can happen because you're so freaked out. Um, so I love what you're saying about really teaching the kids, oh, no, this is home. Yep. Get cozy, you know, ground yourself, get in your body, take care of your body, love your body. Yep. And, you know, peers learn from peers. That's right. Isn't that how kids get most of their info? So the more you're, the merrier. You're articulating so much, you know, <laughs> so, so many core, core concepts that are important to live successfully and happily, and, you know, so that we can be the manifestors of our dreams, essentially, yeah. and be high-functioning people. And like you say, fear shuts off the flow. Yeah. You know. So what can we hold on to that can get us out of that fear? You know, to make us think, oh, no, this, this unexpected thing isn't a giant mistake. Oh, no. Right. You know, go into that, oh, no, panic thing, which I think a lot of people do. And one of the things that I do for that is... I choose my beliefs. Usually people believe things because somebody told them that's true or they decided it's true. I choose my beliefs based on, does this concept serve me? Does this make me more at peace? Yeah. Um, so I actually choose to believe that everything happens um, perfectly. Like it's impossible for anything imperfect to happen. So if I actually hold on to that belief, 
And every unexpected thing is just part of the perfection of life. And then you navigate it with just a kind of a little interest and curiosity yeah, instead, instead of, of <gasps> fear. Instead of fear. <laughs> Frozen yep. fear. Yeah. Yeah, that is beautiful. Yeah. So if we uh, together put, put something out there to the audience, what would be the call of action that we would encourage them to take? <laughs> Let's hit pause there. Uh, <laughs> okay, I would I would put forth um, noticing when they freeze or noticing when they're beside themselves mm. and having a lot of compassion and tenderness for themselves. Not even fixing the action, just noticing. Mm. Starting with the noticing and then later they can get into what do I do about that how do I get back into center? Mm. And then how do I not even get that fragmented? How do I stay in center even when something is unpleasant or uncomfortable? Okay. How about I, that? That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> um, I would offer that um, I would have people take on that there's always only one thing to do at a time. Mm. So just stop in the morning and say, what's, what's the first thing I should do? Should I get up? What should I eat? Okay. Um, so usually people go into overwhelm because they think they have to do five things at once. Yeah. So just really connecting with what's the one thing that I'm being called to do right now, this moment. Yeah. I, I and think, being, being I, gentle with themselves, you know, yeah. and patient. And, and I think that's something, you know, I wanted to interview business leaders because this is something business leaders do. They know how to manage their time and prioritize this task, then that one, then mm. that one. And it's it's a common theme among all successful business leaders mm. that I know. So thank you for bringing that up. Well, it's been a pleasure having you here today. <laughs> um, we hope you join us again. And special thanks to The Sandbox for having us, Hisu and myself. And we're going to say goodbye for now. This was One Hour of Sunshine with Megan Joy Haverda. And we'll see you in two weeks. Um, for our next show with Dr. David Pullman from Maharishi University. He's been the Dean of Men. Um, he's been running Transcendental Meditation Centers across the country, and he's taught both middle, high school, and university level of curricula that has to do with consciousness and everything we talked about today. So it'll be interesting to hear what he sees happening in schools and how respect respective um, other schools are coming to Maharishi to see what's happening and integrating those practices into more mainstream schools. So oh. to your point, it's the kids that really can use this information now and grow with it instead of forgetting it and relearning it like so many adults. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Their glass is still half empty. We can, <laughs> we can still <laughs> teach them. That's right. Yep. Well, thank you so much for coming today. My pleasure. Awesome.